This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Advantages Digital Learning Solutions, where learning is reimagined. Hello, and welcome to Learning Reimagined. I'm Allison Dampier, and with me as always is Sandy Gambit. Good afternoon, Sandy. Hi, Allison. Oh, I'm so excited for today. I am too. We have with us um, a dear friend of the podcast and a dear friend of Sandy and mine as well, Miss Claudia Schwartz. And Claudia is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she works currently with the J Flowers Health Institute out of Houston, Texas. She is a mom. She is amazing. And we had her on our podcast last year, and we're so excited to welcome her back. Hello, Claudia. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to talk to you ladies again today. We are as well. There's been so much going on in the world. I mean, really in the past three years that we, I mean, we can talk on a number of subjects with Claudia and, and listeners, if you remember our podcast with Claudia, the first time she's just a wealth of knowledge. And we seriously, we can have a podcast just with Claudia because there's so much we can talk about with her and we could fill hours and hours and hours. <laughs> so today we're going to try not to fill hours and just keep her just for, you know, good 45, 60 minutes. Um, and we really want to just focus on coming out of the pandemic and we have concluded our first full solid school year since the uh, pandemic hit and um all of us as parents as teachers as you know being involved with kids have seen that is probably the hardest year in education um our teacher friends have all said that you know if they did if they could retire today they would um other teachers i know are looking for other jobs it's just been such a draining difficult year and I don't, I just want to know why. And I, I think Claudia can, can shed some light for us. Yeah, I've heard similar um, all year long, especially now that we're winding down. It's the end of the year for most schools. And it has been a struggle, a real struggle for teachers, for parents, for students. Um, I think that kids, first of all, got into the habit of having school be really easy because they could have it from their bedroom. They could lay in bed, be on a Zoom. Um, it wasn't as structured and they really didn't have the same kind of responsibility or need to pay the same kind of attention that they do when they go to brick and mortar school. Mm-hmm. So that structure you know, it just sort of fell by the wayside because everyone during the pandemic was just trying to survive. And, you know, we just did whatever we could and everyone did the best that they could. And, and that was all we could do. But then coming back, I think teachers and parents in particular had the expectation that, okay, things are going to go back to normal, whatever that looks like. And that we would just kind of get revert right back to where we were pre pandemic. And it just didn't happen that way. So what, what I've heard from many, many teachers is that kids, they, they couldn't adhere to the structure. They had difficulty staying on task, um, sitting for long periods of time. They were disorganized. Mm-hmm. They wanted leniency on things. They'd come and say, I can't finish this in the time frame." And these are not kids that needed accommodations. These are kids that are capable, um, are smart, are organized, don't have executive functioning issues but they were still struggling. So then you loop in the kids that do have executive functioning issues or those kids that do struggle and have 504 plans or have, you know, need accommodations and they are struggling even more. So Mm -hmm. teachers were tapped out trying to help 
the kids, but also parents, you know, how do we work this out? But then parents are trying to get back to work. And some of them had been working from home and, you know, now had to go back to jobs. Others are still working from home, but trying to figure out that new normal for them too. So, it just has been difficult all the way around. And then students right. complain too, because they liked working from home. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. You know, they liked, um, I mean, it was twofold. They like being with their friends, but when they were at home, they could still see their friends, but at school, you know, now they have to go back to school and things are being back to rigorous. And because the curriculum, you know, teachers tried to give leeway because they weren't getting the same kind of instruction that they had in person mm-hmm. coming back to school, some of them really struggled because it was that much harder because they felt like for a whole year, right. they didn't learn the same way that they did. Well, yeah, and you throw in structure is so, oh, so paramount, paramount. Mm-hmm. and because that was stretched and so fluid mm-hmm. trying to survive, as you mentioned. And, and I think that's really hard to jump back into, but yet mm-hmm. such a necessary piece in order to move forward. And, and it's just so hard. Yeah, that's one of the things I remember from our first podcast with you, Claudia, is the importance of structure. Mm-hmm. And uh, as parents and as teachers, that's, you know, kids crave structure. They might resent it initially, but they need it so much. And that's, I, I think that leads to a lot of the um, disharmony in classrooms because they haven't had structure for, you know, for two years. And so, and then you throw in learning loss and, you know, what's gone on over the past couple of years and where the kids come into eighth grade, they're not ready for eighth grade academically or socially. It's like a perfect storm. Yeah. Oh, it definitely has been like a perfect storm. And yeah. so now we're at this point where summer's here and what do we do with our summer and how do we prepare for the fall so that we can have a better year next year than the year we had this year. And I think, um, The message that I'd like to send to parents is that that structure has got to continue, but it's got to be strengthened over the summertime. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the things that may be more damaging is if you feel like, well, summertime, I'm going to give my kid a break now because it was a tough year. And then you go back to the kid is holed up in their room most of the day, gaming or watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. And and there's no structure so that when fall starts again, well, now you're basically starting over again. And I think you can build in structure and still give them a break because they Mm -hmm. do deserve it. Everyone deserves to have some summer vacation time, but I think they have to have some scheduled things in there, even if they're activities or if they're not enrolled in something that's a community or group activity, like a sport or like a camp or even, you know, chess club or or anything that they might want to do, that something is structured at home for them so they can be Mm -hmm. creative, so they can have time. Um, We're going to do lunch at this time every day, especially if a parent works from home. I mean, it's the perfect time to say, okay, lunch is going to be from 12 to 1. Every day, somebody's going to take a different, you know, is going to meal prep or something. Mm-hmm. You can give kids jobs. I mean, there's so many creative ways that you can build in structure where you think you can't. And it's going to serve everybody better. Yeah, because even as adults, we crave structure. I mean, we it's do. Just, we it's definitely it's, do. So as, as much as we emphasize the children or the students, and I think we all can benefit from it. 
Those are great ideas. No, and it's true as adults, and especially if you have a job that's work from home and um, that's mostly on the computer, which a lot of people do now, it's easy to get wrapped up in what you're doing and not have a break. And I, I've heard that even myself. Um, mm-hmm. I heard that from my husband earlier, just right before this podcast. I've been on my first meeting was at 6 a.m. because it was East Coast people. And he said, you haven't had a break. What do you mean you're going into a podcast? Um, you haven't had breakfast? You haven't? I said, I know, I know. It's just the way the day is structured. Mm-hmm. And so I also need to work on, okay, I have to factor in those times so I can sure. Husband with my kids, with I need to take breaks for meals for myself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when I don't do that and I just go back to back to back to back, I'm cranky, I'm tired. And mm-hmm. so we all it's not good for anybody. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, when uh, early earlier this year, yeah, it was a, a New Year's resolution. I determined myself to just structure time to take time for myself, whether it be working out, whether it be going to coffee with a friend whatever it happens to be. And I live by my schedule. I, on Sundays, I make my plan for the week and I have blocks of time at, you know, at work that I'll say, you know, out of the office or whatever, just so I have that built-in structured time so that I stick to my schedule. And, and I'm trying to get that to my kids as well. I, I preach it to our staff. You know, it's very important to have your schedule, have time for yourself, you know, and have time for physical activity and all of those sorts of things just to have more of a balanced life. And I think a big problem with our, our youth has been that they haven't had balance whatsoever. Yeah. It's been um, awful, but <laughs> they very much have just, you're right. They lay they, they hole up in their rooms being on their computer. And then when they're done with their class, they go to Netflix or YouTube or TikTok right. for Oh, oh yeah. So tired. But yes. <laughs> no, it's true. They spend hours on devices and, you know, devices are important. Our computers are important. Um, they have to have some downtime, the way kids communicate. I mean, that's something too, that I, I would like parents to recognize because I do have parents that say to me, oh, I just wish I could take their phone away or shut off all their apps and this and that. Mm-hmm. But the these generations that are coming up now, this is how they communicate. They communicate mm-hmm. by a Snapchat. They communicate, mm-hmm. you know, this is how they do it. They are not people that pick up the phone and call someone, <laughs> and right. let alone face-to-face meetings, which they will do. They'll get together and they have friends. But for the mm-hmm. most part, you know, that's this is how they're communicating, Instagram, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. And while that should all be monitored, especially if they're younger, you have to help them navigate that world because right. just taking it away for long periods of time isn't the answer. Of course, mm-hmm. unless somebody is being really destructive, then of course you would take it away. Right. But teaching kids how to use those things appropriately, but also scheduling time because they can't have their phone on their person constantly because it's just now you're connected to that and you're not paying any attention to anything else around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And teachers struggled with that as well, because now kids are so used to having their devices with them 24 seven, even in the classroom, it's nearly impossible for them. It may, half the time they just, teachers have told me I've given up. <laughs> I've just given up trying to take phones away mm-hmm. or, you know, because yeah, then they have their watches. They so, do. They have watches. They have their, exactly. They, they'll have an iPad, which they'll put in a book and they'll flip open and close it again. I mean, <laughs> there's so many sneaky ways mm-hmm. that they can do things. It's really, really difficult. But 
helping them manage their time wisely and having those Mm -hmm. conversations with kids. And I really stress making kids a part of the structure, like letting them have some onus on it, Mm -hmm. not just a parent dictating, okay, here's the schedule and this is what we're going to do because half of it will go in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. You have to sit with them and develop it together and hear their ideas because they want what they want and they can't have everything they want, but they can certainly have quite a bit as long as it's manageable and within the parameters. Mm -hmm. So making them a part of it. So sitting with them, sit with your kids this Sunday and say, okay, summertime is coming. Here's what we're going to do. Here's my work schedule. Here's where I have blocks of time. I, here's what your schedule is based on whatever you're doing. And if there's mm-hmm. nothing on their schedule, they have, because there are lots of kids that aren't engaged in activities. You've right. got to find something for them. Something mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a sport. Although sport is amazing because they'll get exercise, which is so important. And if it's, And I always tell parents to go over every single sport with their kid. Let's find one that sounds interesting. It can be bowling. It doesn't matter. It just needs Mm -hmm. to be something where they can get out there. And most Mm -hmm. towns have community centers that offer all of the things. It doesn't have to be an organized sports team where everybody is a star player. It can be something that's just an organized activity, but they've got to get engaged. I love that idea, especially taking advantage of the extra daytime hours that we have right yeah outside and there's so much to be said for for getting that that you know sunshine or just being outside Mm -hmm. in nature taking advantage of that I think oftentimes it's too easy to stay inside Mm-hmm. It's really too easy. And I encourage parents to um, talk to each other and to do some of these things together because I'm a firm believer in it takes a village. It's very mm-hmm. hard to just be a parent and only you're in charge of your kids and there's no one around you. Parents need people to bounce off ideas to, to vent to, to share concerns with. Right. Um, we need that just like everybody else. But that sense of community not only builds, the, enriches your kids' lives, it enriches your own, but it also helps because if you've got one parent who says, okay, I'm going to take Wednesdays and I'm going to take the kids every after Wednesday afternoon somewhere. <laughs> and then you have another parent who will take sure. a different day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be every single day, but if you've got a couple days a week where kids are out for sure, you just know that they're out doing different things or out in the sun. They're not just inside. Yeah, it's nice. Right. Right. And they always end up having fun, even if they fight you on it. But if they, yeah. <laughs> if it's with friends that they're doing it with together, they're less likely to fight it. They'll be excited about doing it. Right. Yeah. And back, back to the technology, the bulk of kids have iPhones. Yes. Um, one thing that I learned and I've dealt with, and a lot of parents don't even know it, you can do this. You can go into your, your, um, the app and, and control the amount of time they are on social media. Yes. And so with my daughter, I limited, and t- social media includes TikTok, which mm-hmm. eh, that's, that's the biggie for my daughters. They love, they love the TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I am able to go in and limit how much time they're on those, you know, um, those styles of, of, of social media or whatnot. And I can go in and see how many hours and how many, you know, how much time they're spending on different things. And so that's a topic of conversation. It's nothing I did hiding from her. I said, okay, let's look at this together. You've spent this much time on, on Instagram and TikTok. What is a good balance? Where can we, you know, what can we do? What could you have been doing with those six hours that, you know, What's reasonable? <laughs> Six hours is not reasonable. Being on Netflix for eight hours, not reasonable. Let's right. have some conversation about it. 
And when you see the numbers next to it, even the kids are like, oh, wow, that is a lot of time. And so it, it's a good way of a good conversation starter. And it was a good way for us to say, okay, well, let's say Sundays is your free day. And I won't even look at it. So if we can you know, do really well for six days out of the week, mm-hmm. Sunday will be like a no rules day and you can go on all of the, all of the apps and do what you want to do. Um, it was, it was really good for me to see that. And for my, my one daughter that's still at home for her to see like where she's spending her time on her phone. And, um, it, it was eye-opening, but it's been a really good lesson as well. And so a lot of parents don't even know that you have that ability on, on your kids' phones. And so you do. So look yes. into that too. So you can limit that. And I also made a deal with her too, that, you know, if, about turning off all apps, because you can do that as well. You can say by 10 PM, all internet mm-hmm. access is turned off or all social apps are turned off. And um, especially that is important for the younger kids, middle school, um, yes. who don't know nothing good comes after 10 o'clock for a 13 year old. (laughs) So you can turn it off. A lot of kids or turn their phones in. I went through a period where the my kids had to turn their phones in at night as well, because that's when they they can really get into some troubles when it's late at night and you don't know who's trying to talk to them. So those are some tips. Um, I would, I would suggest all parents to go Google youth safety online, those types of things, and find out other settings you can set up on your phone or alerts. Um, And these are free. These are free things that you can do. There are some pay apps where parents can, um, you can pay a subscription and then you get notified when your child is, I don't know, I think you have access to everything they post and see. I don't don't know exactly how that one works, (laughs) but there are things out there. So um, especially over summer, if you're a working parent too, when you're not around as much, um, I, I would look into some of those safety protocols. Um, Cause it is important to get them off the devices. Devices are important, but learning to use them responsibly right. is vital. Well, and, and I that, think that's, sorry, Allison, I was yes, just, sir. I got really excited because <laughs> I think, I think also maybe leaning into like Duolingo, you can use an app and use it to a benefit, like it just to have a conversation or learn a new language, or it's just really exciting to do that. You can definitely use it for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it can be used for good. Most definitely. And teaching responsibility is so key. And I do, I, I used those apps as well. I used those, um, those controls for my kids when they were younger. And I think it really helped them because they were able to see how much they used, what the usage looked like, but also, and I did monitor, I monitored all their text messages, all their, you know, all their social media stuff, because you know, I felt like it was a responsible thing to do. Now, in today's world, it's much more difficult because there are so many secret apps, you know, they can right. go create secret accounts and things that you don't mm-hmm. know. But if you're instilling good habits in your kids young and they know you're watching, I mean, I, I think that I started it really young with them. So they knew yeah. oh, mom was watching, so I better not do anything. And they just sort of learned what was appropriate, what was not mm-hmm. and, and all of that. But if you've got, let's say you're just starting and your kid is 16, right? now and you've never monitored it, it's very hard to jump in and start monitoring, right. now, obviously, but um, trying to build that better structure and timeframes and things like that, it's going to be hard. There is no mm-hmm. doubt about it. A kid who's 16, 17 has already been doing it for years, that it's not going to be easy to change that. That'll be a lot of pushback. 
lots of pushback, but also yeah. that's where you want to put in place. Okay. What can we do instead of that? And that's why it's so important to have kids involved, involved in activities, involved in things, clubs, anything like that. Um, so that they can have their minds elsewhere and doing right. other things other than just constantly on their devices, because mm-hmm. that's part of it. I mean, if you have six hours a day to be on a device, that's way too much time on any kid's hands. They should be out doing, doing something. Right. right. So I, I completely agree. I know. And yeah. I used to tell my kids too, you can't find something to do. Oh, I've got lots of things. Hang on a second. You can be cleaning out the trash bins. You can, um, I'll have you scrub the oven. Um, mm-hmm. There's all kinds yeah. of things. And they very quickly find something to do. So they find something better. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's I think it's. Yeah, we always do a book challenge over the summer, you know, try to read, you know, uh, two books a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I make them if they're not involved, like sometimes summer is a break from their sport. So I say you have to walk the dog every afternoon. Yeah. And you know, you you build in some activities. I also make the kids you guys are in charge of cooking dinner at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they can drive, you have to go to the store, you have to buy the ingredients and these are life skills for them, yeah. but also gives me a night off of cooking, but it also gives them ideas and, 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 and something to do. So I, there are so many things that you can do as a parent that will come across as a chore, but it's really, you're just bettering your child, you know, getting them off. It's a, a natural consequence to be off the phone because you're walking the dog or you're cooking or whatever it happens to be. But I think those are all important things. Over yeah, the next couple months, family work too. That mm-hmm. that's one thing for kids to understand, and I think we're losing some of that in today's world. That everyone is a part of the family, therefore mm-hmm. everyone has a part to play. So mm-hmm. a kid's part is not just to go to school. That's a big part. Yes, you need to mm-hmm. go to school. You need to learn. You know th- those kind of things, but also you're a part of how the family works. So if you're in charge of dishes every night, that is your role, and that's what you do, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to be part of it. That's how we run the household and make everything work because we work together. Mm-hmm. So those things are important. And I liked what you were saying about the, um, you know, a book club. The library is a great resource for younger kids because there's so many things that are planned in the summertime. Um, They do all kinds of challenges and fun things, but also there's always, you know, an author there or some kind of reading or some kind of activity. Mm -hmm. Libraries are amazing for younger kids. As the kids get older, um, you really just need to tap more into their interests and what they want. But if you give them that opportunity to choose, it's just, it just will make your life so much easier than you trying yeah. to decide, well, what I, what do I think they should do? <laughs> you know, you yes. may have an idea of what you think they should do, but if the idea comes from them, they're more apt to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Engaging and them. It, it's just so critical. Another yeah, really and it's neat- so, oh, sorry, Sandy. <laughs> Go ahead. I was we do just this gonna, all the time. I know, it's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> Another really fun idea. I, I was a single mom. And so incorporating their help was always a given from their from the very, very beginning just for sanity. But even like now, um, we do puzzles mm-hmm. and we really try to do puzzles more now than, you know, before just maximizing our summertime. So it's just been so fun just to do something, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too when you leave it up to the kids. Like, okay, what is something creative that you would you're interested in doing? Instead of me dictating, you're going to do this and this and this. Hearing from my daughter what she finds interesting, it it was surprising. She wanted to take a a course on um, ceramics, 
And I'm like, that is nothing I ever would have picked. And she's very interested in that. And then sewing was the other one. And that one has stuck. She, about five years ago, she decided she wanted to learn to sew. I'm like, really? Like, that sounds so boring to me. But my mom sat her down, taught her how to sew, and she loves it. She has two sewing machines now. So it just, it's a crack up to see what kind of things that, you know, they're just, they're different than us. And it's, it's fun to give them that canvas to pick something new to try. And that creative piece, it just allows it to, to really develop. Right. It really does. And we want to nurture that because one thing to remember too, that in schools nowadays, they don't have sewing anymore. Most schools, no home Mac, no teaching them cooking. Right. No, I did wood shop, metal shop, all those things. Yeah. Love it. You know, <laughs> all the things. And just like the guys all had to do sewing and cooking. Yeah. And, and it was so great because you got exposed to things. They aren't as exposed to as much with the, I mean, arts is now a choice. It didn't used to be, you would all, everybody took art, everybody took music, everybody, you don't, it's not like that anymore so whatever you can expose them to because you might find you have a gifted person who doesn't even know that they're really good at something because they've never been exposed to it and they may think it's lame and oh I don't want to do that and then once they do it they realize oh my gosh wait a minute I'm talented or I really do like this so you know challenging them a little bit and taking them out of their comfort zone because you know that's something I've been talking to parents about a lot recently is that um and I may have mentioned this before because I, I feel like I mentioned this quote constantly um, in my therapy practice. I had a I had a little um, coaster on my table that said, "Prepare the child for the path, not the path for the child." And I think mm. that that's a huge thing right now is that parents are pushing everything out of the way to clear that path for their child to go through smoothly, as opposed to preparing your child to no matter what comes, whatever obstacle, whatever failure, you know, you got to let your children fall. Sometimes they have to hurt themselves. They have to eat dirt. I'm sorry. Not everything can be sanitized. This is how you build up immunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, you know, you, they have to, they have to be exposed to these things in order to learn and grow. And if you're constantly rescuing them out of situations that are dangerous or making sure everything is clear so that everything's going to be fine, they will not know how to navigate. And we're seeing that more and more, particularly as kids get to college now, because mm-hmm. the biggest population right now we have coming to Jay Flowers Health Institute has been those kids that have graduated from high school and absolutely have no idea how to navigate life. No way. Wow. Do. Um, because their parents, they can call their parents at any time and say, oh my gosh, this happened, that happened. And parents jump in. They jump in because you want to help your kids. It's a mm-hmm. natural thing. But there are certain things that they should already be able to do in college. You shouldn't have to jump in. But even in high school, you shouldn't have to you know, be cooking every night for your kids. If you love to cook, that's fantastic. But you know what? That kid needs to learn how to cook. I don't care if they're male, female. That's something they should learn, at least basic things, just like their own laundry, just like learning how to, um, you know, what if something goes wrong? If the toilet is clogged, you know, you don't, you can't just call someone. <laughs> you have to figure yeah. out, let's get the plunger. Troubleshoot, baby, right. troubleshoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how many kids have no clue and say, oh, I'll just call my mom. Or we have somebody who does that. And that's great. But you know what? You may not always have somebody who does that. And as you get older and you, we hope all the kids will leave, leave the nest someday. <laughs> um, most parents want their kids to flourish and thrive. But a lot of kids are staying home longer and longer because they don't know how. They don't know how to do life. 
So from a young, the youngest age possible, teaching them those life skills, how to take care of themselves and trying new things and trying the hard things, even if they fail, that's okay. You fall down and get back up and you say, okay, I'm going to do it different next time. You're giving your kids a gift when you let that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good thing for us to model as parents as well. Just last night I was cooking dinner and I tried a brand new recipe and we all sat down for dinner. I said, this might be awful, <laughs> but you know, I tried something new. I tried a new technique and you let me know. And it wasn't amazing, but it was okay. But yeah. it was just, I tried something new. And so I, I like to do that with them so that it's keeps it fresh. And it lets them know that, you know, I still, even at my old age, I still try new stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> and and I want them to feel confident enough to try new things as well. Yeah. There's just, it, it's an interesting time to be raising kids. It's, yeah. it's, they are exposed to so much, mm-hmm. but yet, so that their, their worlds are so, so, so huge, but yet their physical world, I feel has gotten smaller. You know, they, they are, they're more, they're at home more. They are in their rooms more but they are exposed. Like they talk to people that live in Germany and they talk to, you know, they, they, they play their video games with, with people out of Brazil and yet they're just in their little room. So it's a very, it's just very interesting to me. It is. It's an interesting time. It's a very difficult time. It's not an easy time to be raising kids um, because all of this is brand new and we're all navigating it together. And technology is moving so quickly, um, quicker than parents can keep up with things. So new things pop up constantly that we're unaware of, that kids understand. So, I mean, I struggle trying to help parents um, really get more involved in the social media because they, it really is so important. It's not just a matter of knowing what Instagram is. It's, well, what are they doing on there and who are they talking to? And what are the new things you can suddenly do on Snapchat or TikTok or mm-hmm. what's a new app or where is that app that makes you be able to hide all the files so that when you go to their phone, you could recognize right. it as right. the app that right. hides the files and right. the and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, the knowledge is hard, but, but I think keeping communication with your kids so that they do talk to you, that will go a long way too. Um, we all probably have or have had teenagers that, you know, they, they mumble, how's your day? Great. You know, fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> and they give you one word answers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's why you volunteer to carpool. That's why you volunteer to be in their space, even though they mm-hmm. might want, not want you there because then you hear things going on without having to ask questions yeah. and, you know, invite the kids over, tell your kids, Hey, bring over whoever we'll all have pizza. You know, food is great. Great. You can have pizzas and pizza rolls and mm-hmm. don't have a whole neighborhood at your house in no time. And those are yeah. the kind of things that draw in kids, but also now they're under your roof. You can hear the conversations. They're more open to talking to you. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And if you have the kind of job where you can't do that, or you don't have the kind of family or the means to be able to do that, then find other ways that you can be involved so that you can be exposed to their friends too. Cause it's not just them. That's it's- huge. Who are they friends with? Who do they talk to right. every single day? Because those are their influencers, even their yeah. friends' parents. Whose parents are they talking to? They're all influencers and you have to be aware of it. Yeah. And you actually mentioned, Claudia, earlier, just carving out those moments, whether it's having breakfast together or carving out the lunchtime or a dinner, having that certain ritual, whatever it is, it's just critical. So your kids, you have that, they're not, they're structured moments, but 
the conversations that happen within that is just magic because you don't know when you're going to need be there when they need you to be there. Right. So you can build that rapport on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And even if they're arguing about, oh, do we have to have lunch every day at 12 or this? Because if maybe that's what works in your schedule, um, they will come to count on that. So the one day where you have a meeting or you're sick, they'll go, wait a minute, where's our lunch at 12? You know, how come we're not doing our lunch at 12? Because mm-hmm. yeah. it becomes habit and routine and and they will they will really thrive on all of that. The more structure you have, the better they will do. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they have to have activity, activity after activity after activity, but having no Knowing what the expectation is, it's just, it relieves anxiety too, because they know what they need to do, what they have to get done. You do as well. It creates less stress. And then it gives everybody more downtime later on because you're, you're able to structure out the day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's helpful for everyone, not just the kids. What I've learned with my daughter is the expectations and having a schedule, it alleviated a lot of anxiety, knowing what to expect for her really gave her a sense of calm, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what's next, knowing when I'm coming home, knowing when dad's coming home, knowing when she has to leave the house. It really settled her nerves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's another important thing. And I, I just, I, I, I really struggle right now watching our teens and watching the way of the world and the increase in school violence. And I, I just, I worry so much about what are we doing wrong as a society that is leading to all of this. And I don't know, Claudia, if you have all of the answers to that, but it's a very, um, it's a complex issue. I think the increase in technology, I think COVID, I think all of these things play into it, but what as a professional are you seeing in, in this rise of violence and um, rise in um mental health issues, you know, what, what as a society is happening that is, that's leading to all of this? Well, there's a lot that's happening, but I think part of it is, um, you know, that these mental health issues, a lot of them come from, well, they can come from different reasons, but some of the anxiety and the depression can come directly from peers and what's going on in your own school. Um, how you're treated. And that's why I think it's so important for parents to always be aware of, you know, what's going on with their kid. If they're not a popular kid, let's say, um, and they're being, maybe they're, it it doesn't even have to be that they're being bullied. Maybe they're just, nobody's paying any attention to them at all. And they're, they're feeling isolated because they don't get invited to birthdays or they don't get invited to parties and things like that. Um, That just makes people turn inward. And that depression can just grow and grow and grow until people suddenly turn to destructive behaviors or um, gosh, there's, so many things that can stem from that. So there's that piece of it. Um, but even if you have, let's say the, the kids who are popular, they have pressures too. And some of that, those are professors to perform in a certain way or to go along with things in a certain way. They might feel like they have no voice because they have to you know, go along with what the crowd is saying and whether they think it's appropriate or not. And that can get them into all kinds of trouble and create anxiety. So there's a lot of different things happening. Um, of course, we have kids that are coming from homes that have a lot of problems. The pandemic, one of the things that happened is that people that went to work all the time and where parents sort of lived separate lives because they were working and then suddenly were in the home together, it was not a good combination. It created a lot of stress in the environment. Um, 
and some abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And the kids didn't have anywhere to go. They were just stuck there at home because we were all isolated and they had to live with that. And then once things had been lifted, it didn't take away what had happened and probably what continues to happen, especially if any of those parents lost their jobs or ended up then working from home or got a divorce during the pandemic. There were a lot of divorces um, because people just realized, oh, I can't do this 24-7. I can't be in this relationship 24-7 or I can't even be with my kids 24-7. So there's so many different reasons, but it all comes down to um, the sense of family, the sense of connectedness, being connected, hearing each other, communication, safety, safety at home, safety with your friends, safety at school. But it all comes from communication and, and that connection. And when you don't have it, bad things happen. Yeah, that sense of belonging mm-hmm. is so critical. It is critical. And, it, and it's so sad. It always breaks my heart when I see kids that even kids who are, I'm going to say, quote unquote, the bad kids at school, right, who are always acting out or mean to other people. And you can see where it's coming from. It's coming mm-hmm. from a place of great pain. And no child should have to go through that. But remember that that child going through that great pain can turn into a really nasty, ugly adult. And this is why it's so important for teachers, for parents, for friends of friends to be on the lookout for what's happening and who's treating who, how, because it starts very early and it, but it, it doesn't take long for it to build quickly into something that could be very destructive or very, very hurtful. Yeah. yeah There's just so much. And I think that really leads to the teacher burnout that we're facing because I think they, I mean, of course, teachers, your, your job is to teach. And so they're focused on the learning loss and getting their kids caught up. But then they got back a set of kids who are not the same type of kids that they got prior to the pandemic. So now they have to be looking out for all of these other issues in the mental health and the social emotional learning. And it, it the teacher's role has compounded and it is, it is so much more vital and so much bigger than anything they've ever had that it's, um, it's a lot for anybody, even the most passionate of teachers. And I don't know how to make it better for them. And it's just, it's as, as parents, I don't know what we could be doing at home. I mean, I, I know some things we could be doing at home for our own individual children, but on the broad, broad scope, it's just, it's daunting. It's it a really daunting prospect to me right now. It is. And I, I feel for teachers so much because they're in an, in an, incredibly difficult position right now Mm -hmm. and their job has become so much more complex and so much more responsibility that they didn't have before they used to be able to teach and nurture and they'd have small classrooms and it it's not like that anymore and I think um, as as a parent I think parents can help teachers by asking them what can I do to help what can I help mm-hmm. you with? Either my child. I mean, first and foremost, you're responsible for your child. Your teacher is not. Mm-hmm. Your teacher is there to do a job to help them, but they're not responsible. You are. So whatever you can do to ha- ask the teacher what you can do to help. And mm-hmm. if your child is doing fine and you're, I mean, because, you know, if you have a teacher says, oh, your child is a dream. Your child is not the problem. Okay. Well, if there are kids that are problems, what can I do to help? Can I help a sure. parent? Um, mm-hmm. Please let the, 
whatever parent know, because I know there's confidentiality, which makes it really difficult to parents or teachers hands are tied a lot when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, trying to help kids or trying to intervene on something, but parents volunteering to help other parents. Um, and, and then in turn too, if the kids are being bullied or the kids are being picked on or just being isolated because no one wants to be their friend. Okay. What can we do about it? What do you, what are the strengths in the kid? What do you mm-hmm. see? Cause you see the kid in the classroom every day and how can we as a community help? I mean, that's where it has to start us as the community. It can't be one person's mm-hmm. job. Everyone, because I don't have control over what happens to my child when they go to school. So I rely on the teacher and other parents and the kids and the staff. So, but how can I, how can we all work together to make sure everyone has a good experience? And I think the teachers need help. They need help. And we need to recognize that even if we're struggling and, and if we are, and we feel like we can't physically help, well, at least, okay, what can we do to help make sure you get the help you need? It doesn't that there's no help to be given. It's just, we need to brainstorm and find better ways. That's such a brilliant idea, Claudia, because I think oftentimes we think in such our own little circle, our bubble, mm-hmm. but taking it to the school and really extending that PTO, PTA role right. and, and really helping build a rapport, more of a community, especially the last two years with COVID, unfortunately, it kind of broke down that structure in the community aspect. So right. being able to build that, rebuild it in a different way. I think so too. Yeah. I think rebuilding that is so key. And PTA and PTO used to be super strong. And I know that across the board, it's sort of um, been depleted just because, you know, we were isolated and now nobody, we had to change all the rules of how you even do things anymore because you can't yeah. do events the same way. Everything has changed, but that doesn't mean you can't still do them. And, you know, my hope would be that everyone would come together and be able to figure out new and better ways mm-hmm. to support everybody support and support the parents and support the teachers. Yeah, definitely opportunities exist. Sorry. Yeah, they absolutely (laughs) do. But I I think parents are burnt out as well. My local middle school where I was PTO, um, what was I vice president? I don't remember for like six years straight. I did it for both of my kids and whatnot. And it is disbanded. Mm-hmm. Because they can't get any parents to volunteer now. Exactly. And so they had nobody to take over the president role. They, I, they, they've lost PTO. And I know how much we did for the school back then. Mm-hmm. And to know that that's happened. We are, we're a very strong, good community. And the fact that they've just lost that, it's just telling what's happening into the lesser, the areas where they have parents who work, you know, both parents are working and they don't have the same right. support on a normal year, you right. know, what's happening now post pandemic where it, it just, it, it scares me looking at, a, around it. Just, I think everybody is just, I, I don't even know the right word. Like the burnout is just so overwhelming in all aspects. And you're starting to see that throughout. And it, it I think our whole world needs a reset. <laughs> I, I just, yes. I, I just think, um, we just need to find a way to be more compassionate and more engaged. You know, I, I think not just our kids who are so addicted to their phones. Adults have too, because what do you do when you've lost access to the world? You've really just focused in on, you know, your your gateway right here. Your telephone was your gateway to everything. And I, and I think that's a habit and a, a crutch that I think most people have depended upon for the past three years that we need to break. You know, use it properly, use it, you know, more responsibly and 
um, look up and smile and, and get back involved with people. It's true. It's true. And, um, you know, one thing parents need to keep in mind too, if you're going to your kids soccer practice or their soccer game and you're on your phone the whole time or on your laptop, you're not engaged in what they're doing. And kids notice that. So when you were talking before about what we have to model, those are things we have to model too, is we have to show that we're engaged and present in the moment. And if you can't be, then you know what, maybe the other parents should go watch the game, or maybe, you know, you need to figure that out because otherwise you're just perpetuating the cycle, the cycle of how everybody's interacting. And, and I know everybody's busy and I know everybody's having a hard time and it's, it's not easy. Um, My job, I'm on the phone a lot and I have to physically put my phone away sometimes when mealtimes for sure. But even when I'm out with my kids or I'm out with my husband, because otherwise I could be on the phone constantly easily. That's, that's a no brainer. I could do that 24 seven if I had to, and, but it's not healthy and it's not right. And no job should be taking you 24 seven either. So that may be something you should revisit as well. If you're feeling the need to be connected to the technology for that. If it's Facebook, well, there's an addiction and you need to work on it. <laughs> right. so, Absolutely. I'm talking to the adults because none of the kids are on Facebook. <laughs> no, but, they're not. That's the old people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something we have to figure out. But we also, we do have to take a look at ourselves and it, it's constant. We're, we're all learning and we're learning and doing it together. But I think keeping up the communication, talking about it, connecting, engaging, that's going to go a very long way. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of your expertise coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and you know, we so this has been our focus for you know two and a half years now, and now coming out of that, we're we're seeing a lot of the repercussions of the past two and a half years. When can we expect? I mean, is there a natural recovery to something to an event like this? Is there a natural progression that things will get better with the social emotional health <laughs> of our youth? Or is what happened over the past two and a half years permanently imprinted and we are going to 10 years from now being, oh, you're part of that generation. And is it scarring them forever? Or is, do you get what I'm asking? Like, is there, I do. Give I, me light, Claudia, give me light. <laughs> I, I do believe that it is going to stay with us and it is scarring. It can't not be. This is a trauma that happened yeah. to all of us and all of us were affected differently. Um, you know, our, our kids, our kids were affected differently too, because some kids um, were happy as a clam to be at home and just, um, especially younger kids, they were, a lot of them were fine. Um, they missed out on social stuff and the structure, but they'll get that back. And it wasn't quite as traumatic as some people who, such as I think all three of us had kids that didn't get a senior year and, or a junior year and missed out on all the activities and the things and graduations and things like that. But then parents who missed out on a lot. Um, I wasn't a parent who got to stay home and make sourdough bread. And mm-hmm. I, I was in crisis mode constantly because clients were calling me all the time. I worked harder than I ever did during the pandemic and I'm still suffering. <laughs> Plus I got COVID twice. So I'm suffering from all of that. <laughs> you know, so I, yes, I think um, the long answer is that it is going to stay with us. I think we will be part of that generation, um, especially our kids who went to school during this pandemic time. They're going to be part of that generation. 
I think sadly I will have a job forever because of the pandemic, um, just because there are long-term lasting effects. And I think we're just starting to see what those effects are now as we're trying to deal with all of these issues that are coming from it, um, from the isolation and from, you know, just school with the kids, but then also work jobs from with parents. So it is lasting. And I don't know how we're going to come out of it. I know we will because every trauma and the things that happened to people in the past, they've come out of it, but I just don't think it's going to be that easy. That was not the light I was looking for, Claudia, but a dose of realism <laughs> is a, okay it's for a, me it's a real, It's a real, yeah, great perspective. And I think we can make this summer a reset summer mm-hmm. and, and try our best as adults to navigate our youth through Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, and I don't mean to say that there isn't a light because there is, I think there is, I think that we're strong and I think we're very capable. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's something that's new that none of us have done before. And we're trying to find a way, but that's why I want to stress the things about being connected, about communicating, about talking about have these conversations and look to the positive. And what, what have we learned, especially this last year that we want to change so we can make better mm-hmm. for next year. I think all of that is really positive, but also yeah, watching out for your neighbor. I mean, really mm-hmm. watching out for family members and friends and um, reaching out to people who sound like they're struggling because they may not know how to do these things. They're maybe not listening to this podcast or listening to <laughs> things, helping them and, right. and they need, they need that help. So, so it's not a joke. If somebody's down, if somebody's anxious, um, yeah. please take it seriously because they need help in some way. And some people really need help and need it now. And then other people are in the, at the beginning stages, but if they get some help now, maybe it won't progress. So it's just super, super important to stay connected. I think part of my problem, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I thought as soon as, you know, the, the crisis of the pandemic was over, meaning like in the fall of 21, when kids got to go back to school full time and everything was quote unquote, quote, normal. In my Pollyanna little mind, I thought, okay, we're good. We're back to normal. But there isn't a normal. And it's, I expected Mm -hmm. that, you know, with the end, I think they call it the endemic now that it's over, like the, the crisis part is over. I thought with that, we go back and life is good. And that's what's so disheartening to me is talking, we have a teacher panel podcast and we've talked um, over the year, we've talked to many um, other teachers and administrators and parents and hearing how it's worse in the classroom today than it was before. And that to me is disheartening. I'm like, no, it's supposed to be good now. You know, we're, we're done with that, with, with COVID. We're learning to live with COVID and we, we should be good. And, and that to me was, is hard. And so now hearing from you that I, I, I need to pull my head out of the clouds and this is a new way that we have to be moving forward and it is a part of us. So now we need to look at it and be proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to make social emotional learning in the classrooms a priority. We need to make school safety a priority. I was watching Dateline and this school had this amazing setup. You guys may have caught it. Um, It was a school, I believe, out of Texas. 
And they had this incredible setup for active shooters. And that sort of like, it's a depressing and horrific thing to think about. But that school is completely protected now. And they, they have all of these safety pr- protocols set in place. And whereas we don't like to think that way, but I think we have to, because I don't think it's going away. You know, I don't think school violence is going away. I don't think youth depression and anxiety and all of those are things that we have to be mature and responsible and accept that they're there and figure out ways that we can go about helping. And because um, we, we're not going to be able to necessarily prevent it, but we can work with it, you know, not ignore the situation. And I think that's, that was my issue I had to grasp with is it's not, you know, there is depression. There is, there is, all of these things are still going to happen, even though we're quote unquote back to normal. You know, it's just this whole new normal, which I hate that term, but it really truly is a new normal that we have to learn and work with. Does that make sense? I just went on a whole. whole you kind of did. It's, <laughs> but it's, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Allison. And, and I think what we're learning is really accepting the effects, the after effects of such a tremendous change or an impact that we all experienced at different ages. So I think moving forward, we're just adapting, not just, but trying to adapt and help and and move forward where we're at. There's nothing else we can do. No, no, we need to move forward and we do have to recognize that things are just different and they'll never be the way they were. Sadly, they just will never be the same. But that's not just because of the pandemic. That's also technology's moving forward, mm-hmm. how we live lives are moving forward. Things are mm-hmm. things are different. But the pandemic has changed a lot of things and even even things um you know, the way we shop for things or the way, you know, things are presented to us. It's just, it's changed a lot. So we, we need to adapt with that and grow, but that doesn't, that doesn't, what hasn't changed is the structure still needs to be there. You still need to talk to your kids. Um, You need to check in with them. You need to check in with family members. I mean, I can remember, I'm trying to think how long ago now it's probably been 15 years when, um, not 15 years. I'm sorry. 2008 hasn't been 15 years. Not that long. Close. Right. Close. Okay. Yeah. 2014. Yes. And at that time when we had the economy collapse and all of that, there were a lot of suicides, a lot of suicides, more than we had ever seen. And I feel like I was on the news talking about suicides right almost weekly. It was just crazy. And, um, and not only that, but not just of adults, but kids and just because of the stress and everything that was happening. And we were able to come through that, but then we had to rethink how we look at suicide and suicide is still a problem, but we have a better, we have more resources, I think, than we had in the past because we realized we need those resources. And my hope too, is that we just have more and more resources available to parents, to teachers, to help them navigate anxiety, depression, anger, anything that they have going through what we're going through now because the resources are there um but maybe somebody needs help finding those resources but they're we're just trying to make them more and more available to people because they need it and some people who never thought they ever needed to see a therapist suddenly find themselves needing to find see one and that's okay that's mm-hmm. okay whatever mm-hmm. will help you whatever mm-hmm. support you need you need to advocate for it and if you see someone who can't advocate for themselves then please reach out please try to help and be there for them and, and help them get whatever resources they need 
Mm-hmm. Claudia, do you have some like top websites where people could go for these resources that we could share with our listeners that we could put out there on our social media? Yeah, I can share them with you. I'll, I'll give you a list. I'll, I'll send okay. that to you so that we can we can talk about those. Um, there are lots. Um, the internet is amazing nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you can Google all kinds of things and usually find stuff. Um, I don't usually recommend Googling um, like treatment centers or things like mm-hmm. that just because you never know. But when it comes to resources for um, somebody who's got depression or anxiety or just wants to talk to someone, there are hotlines galore. Those are, can be really helpful, especially for people that don't have the kind of money to go to a therapist right away or um, maybe the means. So they're a resource I definitely will share. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very awesome. much. That would, awesome. be, that would be helpful. I wouldn't know where to go. If yeah. I if I didn't go to Claudia, I wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> oh, Everybody fortunate. needs Claudia in their life. So. <laughs> Claudia, this has been so insightful. I do want to find out, like you mentioned, you're so your resources are so needed and you're so stretched. And how do you find balance? How do you fill your cup as you help so many? And and you wear so many hats. You're you're an amazing wife and mom and friend and therapist. How do you how do you fill your cup? Well, um, I I've learned over the years that I need that sense of connection, first of all. So I talk with my friends. I get to vent about my day. Um, I have my husband and I are best friends, which helps. So we get to talk a lot. But I do um I love the sense of community that I have. So I get a, a you know, get together with friends regularly who have kids the same age as mine so that we can talk about, you know, the stage that we're at and what are the, you know, being, I am a brand new empty nester and that's been a whole shift for the whole family, not just mm-hmm. my kids, but being able to talk about what is, what did the first year of college look like step-by-step, step, but also taking time out for myself. Like every Monday is the only morning that I don't go um, walk along the beach. I'm very lucky to live right by the beach, but I do that the first hour of every morning, super early early. I have to get up way earlier than I normally would, but (laughs) that sets the tone for my whole day. And I love it. Mm. Rain or shine. It's just, and luckily it never rains. So, well, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's windy, but having that time to just, and a lot of times I'll go with my son or my husband, but I always meet the same people along the way. We're always out together, but that to me, if I don't have that, I feel it during the day. I just feel, I don't feel the same way. So I make an effort now. And if I need to get a massage, because that's what I need, um, I will book that massage or I will get the whole treatment when I get my nails done one day, because I just, need to sit there and let someone pamper me because I'm pampering everyone else most of the time. So that's where I get balance is making sure that I'm taking care of myself. And it's not easy. It's not because I feel, you know, pulled from both ends all the time, especially, like I said, since the pandemic started, it has been absolutely crazy. I mean, I could be on the phone every second and I have to, I can't say yes to everything, which is hard for me. No, that's, that's so important for all of us to hear. So thank you for sharing those insights. Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. This has been thank great. Thank you for being here. You, I, I really could talk to you all day long. I, you just have so much to share. And I just, I love learning from you. I love listening to you. You do present a sense of calmness, even in this crazy, hectic time that we're facing. And so I just, I know our listeners appreciate it. They're going to really appreciate the resources that we post. And, and just thank you so much, Claudia, for all that you do and for spending some time with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for listening to Learning Reimagined. If you're enjoying this podcast, please help us spread the word by clicking the subscribe button or share your favorite episodes with families and friends and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts.